Well, we get to walk into the Word of God, and this series on honor is exploring and studying into the Ten Commandments. So you look great. I am excited to have this moment with you, and excited, if you're not in the room, that we are connected right now as well. Well, I'm going to give you some story time before we walk into digging into Exodus chapter 20. Some of you have heard some of these stories before, but they're really poignant for this moment. I kept getting calls about 13, 14 years ago from a gentleman named Ken Stevens when I lived in Wisconsin. And he would call and say, I got a wonderful opportunity for you to come over to West Michigan and serve as the pastor of this church. And I was perfectly happy where I was at. And so there was this kind of politeness, but some distance on my part. And he would call sometimes every couple days, every couple weeks. And, and that, that was a series of months that that went by. Well, finally went, you know, I just don't think this is going to work out. Uh, but tell you what, you keep the window open for me a little bit. There's just something about him and the stories that I had heard that, that we'll, we'll see what, what God may do down the road. Well, it wasn't long after that that I was in a worship experience and deeply significant felt the Spirit. And this, I mean, I had spent some time praying and fasting over this. And God said, you are going to go you're going to go that direction. And it was Ken, who was the voice of our church family here, who kept making that invitation from once I heard the Spirit of God speak. Well, when we did come over here, one of the first moments that I had was going and driving around with Ken because we sold a kind of an old standard good old church building, and we went to the high school fine arts center, and we're going to find a new home base for our church. Now, we all know that a building is not the church. So we all know the building is not the church. It's, it's an ecclesia. It's a gathering of people. So we know that, but a building can be a, a place where we gather, and, and, and it's a tool, and then we scatter. We gather and scatter. He took me around a lot of places. This site was the last one that we came to. He was really excited about this spot. We're the back of the property. I'm looking, if, and if you don't know this area, it's, it's 110,000 square feet, large rambling school building, 30 acres of land. It's, it's a great spot. I think he is cuckoo for coconuts. There is no way we're going to afford this place. We're going to get this place. And I did what pastors often do when you want to be done with a conversation and you don't know what to say. You go, hey, how about we pray? That's a good way. To, let's, just, let's just stop talking about this right now. I don't know what to do. Uh, so we prayed. We bow our heads. And it's early fall and the, the wind kind of rustles up. It, it kicks up in a, in a gentle, distinct way. I can feel it. I can hear it in the trees. I'm then reminiscent of what Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and I feel like I'm in the role of Nicodemus. Nicodemus, do you feel, do you hear the wind? You don't see where the Spirit of God is going or moving, but you know that it's there. And I heard as if an audible voice speaking in my spirit at that time, Jim, I am going to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. And again, I'm going to do more than you can ever ask or imagine. The Spirit calls me by name. Jim, I'm going to do more than you can ever ask or imagine. And I went, all right, God, I just trust you for great things. God worked miracles. We get to call this home base. Um, there are times that I have, and, 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 but Ken was the first one to see that. He was the first one to see that and introduce that concept. Um, there's times that I talk to my pastor buddies. 
And wouldn't you know, sometimes your pastor buddies aren't always excited about what's happening in the life of their church. Oh, tell me, tell me a little more. Tell me a little more. And, and you find that there's some kind of issue that's going on. Now, Ken, for over 50 years, this is just a ridiculous period of time, for over 50 years, I think he started in his very early 20s, had the distinction of this title. I don't think it's the greatest title in the world, but it's long. It's like vice chairperson of the local board of administration. It's a, if you wanted, like, he, he basically led the elder team. That, that's, I, I kind of like that title. The leader of the elder team, he filled that role, did it impeccably, had the, had the heart, had the spirit of the, 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 our church family. You know, he just went, okay, kind of get where the people are at and spoke into that. Well, I realize so oftentimes there's issues in the lives of my pastor friends because they don't have a Ken Stevens who leads their elders. You go, oh. I just go, well, that, oh yeah, can't help you there, buddy. You just got to go find your Ken, you know, that kind of a deal. Well, Ken's week was marvelous. He had lots of family events, uh, Games and uh, activities and gatherings and meals. He, he always loved doing his chores. He just recently retired and uh, out on the tractor, comes in, and in the early afternoon, I'm kind of tired, and he sits down. He breathes his last breath on this side of eternity, and he's ushered into God's amazing presence. And we didn't really see it coming. I wanted to pause because Ken is an individual who, for decades, has embodied what it means to live and share the story of God. And whether you know Ken or don't, we all are, you know, in essence, living into that and sharing in the story of God. And when, I, when, when we do teaching, it's intentional because we don't feel that preaching hellfire and brimstone is the best way to connect week in and week out. In a, in a way that you share the Word of God. Yet, at the same time, we deeply believe to call out, live your lives in the light of eternity. You never know when God is going to call. You never know that every day matters. Every day matters. And so your eternity matters, but every day matters as well. So as we say, thank you, God, for your servant Ken in this moment. I, I just want to give this challenge, this charge. Don't you dare walk out of this place without doing the kind of business that God's speaking to your heart because today matters and eternity matters as well. And uh, we're going to walk into teaching and we're going to learn that it's really important to set apart a Sabbath. We're going to learn that there is creative work that God has called us to rest from. And we're going to learn that Jesus is Lord of everything Lord of the Sabbath. And we're going to watch uh, a teaching video from the Bible Project, because we're going to dive into Exodus chapter 20. But what this teaching is going to do from the Bible Project, beginning in Genesis and really working all throughout Scripture, is give us a full biblical context of what Sabbath looks like. Lord God Almighty, I thank you that you are in this place. I thank you that we're reminded through the life and the example of Ken to live our lives in the light of eternity. Lord, may you fill us with your presence. May you fill us with your spirit that we might go forth with you as our Lord. May we renew the covenants that you've established with us. In your mighty name, amen.
The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power and they forfeit that rest. They're exiled into the wilderness where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But how? They're in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who's grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and he liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They're exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come, but generations go by and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day. Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Also, Jesus is claiming that seventh day rest would come through him. 
Right, he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath, and he confronted disorder and darkness in all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath, and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness, where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now, by following him, or in his words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, my sister and myself happened to take a journey last weekend to the Tampa, Florida area to visit with my, with my folks. And Terry went with me as well. And one of the things that we discovered, we're going down there to do some family business. They threw a Super Bowl. It was like fantastic. I did not know all of those worlds were going to collide. And I, I wanted to do, what, what is it that you can do for free at a Super Bowl and stay away from people? And there was such a thing called a river walk. So took a River walk, and I thought it would be this dynamite kind of thing, just like, oh, it's just kind of a walk, but it, was, it wasn't that big of a deal, all in all. Here's what a football game looks like when it's a big deal football game. There's 80,000 people watching. 22 people are currently on the field, striving and working and giving effort and energy and struggle while 80,000 people spectate the 22 that are at work. We were made, friends, by God to participate in good work that God has given us to do. And if you say, hey, what's the best part of that trip you took down there to see your folks in the Tampa area? I wouldn't reference the time that we were spectating alongside the Super Bowl. I would have said, it's when we played pickleball. I'll tell you what, it's when we got boom, 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 boom. So we were moving around the court, and then we took a, we took a golf cart ride afterwards. It's like we were test driving retirement. And uh, it's like pickleball and golf cart rides are a blast. They're just phenomenal. But it's, it's in the times that we get to participate and put some sweat in that God has made us for that. And then, ah, we pull back and have rest. The Ten Commandments is what we commonly refer to in Hebrew words as the ten words. When you dig into some scholarly work and some commentaries, you will constantly see the reference to the Decalogue, the Decalogue, the Decalogue. And, and the Decalogue is, is Greek for the ten words. These are ten words that are intended to provide life for our lives. Ten words of life in covenant relationship with God. For what it's worth, and we'll do some Hebrew words together, the word for covenant is beret. It means covenant. It means testimony. It means agreement. It means there are so many covenants in the Old Testament. 286 are mentioned. The covenant happens with Noah, the one that happens with Abraham that's renewed with Isaac and with Jacob, and the covenant that, that we study here that's renewed with Joshua and the people again and again, and then there's a specific covenant with David, and there's one with that they renew with Hezekiah the king and Josiah the 
king and just goes, you hear it again and again and again and again, that these words of life are a relational dynamic with God that are meant to be renewed. It's a specific kind of covenant uh, known as, this is the form of a suzerain covenant, which is Kings made covenants all the time. But these, the, a suzerain covenant is not equals. It's a, it's a greater king and a lesser king or a lesser king and a group of vassals. Like Moses represents, is like the prince of the people and everybody else is the vassal. So it takes a suzerain covenant kind of form, which we, begins with an introduction of the greater king and kind of what he's done for the vassals. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery. Exodus is divided into two groups. You kind of go it's from the groan to the glory. Let's, let's get you out of bondage. And so it, that's happened. And Exodus has 40 books in it. We're in Exodus chapter 20. And right now we're right at the pivot point where it's turning and we're going to find out, oh, what, what the, the, the glory dynamic that their lives are to be centered around a relationship with God, that God actually tabernacles and dwells in their very midst and they're going to be worshiping God. And so this is the pivot, the turning point of all that. And so we're going to study the fourth word of life. The first three words of life say that you should not have any other gods before you. I'm the only God. Don't make any images of God. And by the way, you, child of God, are created as the image of God. There's no need for other images because God's spirit is to live in you and through you. Don't be making up other images. And thirdly, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. God's, God's name is not to be empty and common. God's name is to be honored. So the fourth word of life is very much in sync with the preceding three words of life. And there's a bit of a distinction because it doesn't say, don't do that. It says, remember, do this. It's a positive piece that is being spoken. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. There's a couple of words that are not actually in Hebrew, in English, but it's Shabbat for Sabbath. It's Kadesh for holy. But the seventh day is to be a Shabbat to the Lord your God. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath, the Shabbat, and made it holy, Kadesh. So we are, the first dynamic for us to pull out today, we are to set apart Shabbat. Actually, we're to Kadesh Shabbat. I had to practice saying that a lot. So since I had to practice saying a lot, I'm going to share that joy with you right now, okay? That, 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 that we're going to hear you say, Kadesh Shabbat. Let's do it together. Kadesh Shabbat. Now, just in case those in their own setting didn't do it, because there's that tendency when you watch this to go, oh yeah, they're doing that. I'm just going, okay. Everybody, wherever you're at, we're going to set apart Sabbath. We will say it in Hebrew, Kadesh Shabbat. Here we go. Kadesh Shabbat. Got it, got it, got it. You can, that Kadesh, the word set apart, why we said set apart, set apart Sabbath as opposed to Holy Sabbath, it's because it literally means set apart. It depends on the context of what's going on. If something is set apart for the Lord, then they will, oh, then that's holy. But when you're just setting apart your laundry, it's just set apart. It's, it's the same word. Now, in my home, I use laundry because Terry doesn't let me do her laundry. It's Kadesh. It's set apart. I get to do the towels. I can do anybody else's laundry. But I, my, my dear wife, my Valentine today, her, her laundry is Kadesh. 
it's set apart. So you can set apart articles of clothing, and, 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 and we kind of use that because there's actually articles of clothing that get described in Exodus that are set apart. You can set apart food, like having company over, got some chicken, put some marinade on it, put it through. It's Kadesh. It's set apart. Maybe somebody's made brownies and they're supposed to go to the school event, and you Kadesh it. Don't touch don't you put some kind of note by them? They have been set apart. So when something is set apart, you can set apart articles of clothing, you can set apart food, you can set apart time. A day. That we set apart a day, a Shabbat. And when we do, it's holy because it's set apart for the Lord. Ah. It's Valentine's. I had to. I had to channel Romeo Jim, not just regular Jim. Usually I'm regular Jim, and then sometimes you go, be, be Romeo Jim, be Romeo Jim. So whether you're doing Valentine's in a friend group kind of capacity, you know, you got, hey, just want to let these folks know they're very important to me. Whether there's kind of a Romeo sort of capacity about your Valentine's, but I, I, I just... I hit it out of the park possibly this year. Possibly I hit it out of the park. And, and, and I, and I kind of stumbled backwards into it because I, I was at, at my closest Meyer and there was a plant that was blooming and I bought it and I, and I put Happy Valentine's Day Friday. I did that on Friday. Guys, you can't go back in the time machine and do this if, if you're now going, give me a tip. But, but maybe next year you can remember this. And then I had already ordered something that was kind of snappy and, and then I did, did put that out on Saturday morning and then it was, it was the... The candy, the candy popped out today. Uh, so like three days in a row is Romeo Jim action right there. And uh, so that's my little words of wisdom. Don't just want, but, 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 but stack those on top of each other. Um, so when you spend time with people that you love, a person, you kind of set it up, don't you? Hey, let's go eat here. Let's go take a walk there. You, you plan some things out. It's like a great date day with God. Uh, hey, let's, let's go to, I'm kind of preaching the choir here. This is cool. Let's go to church together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go have a walk together. You don't plan everything out. Let's just have some downtime. Let's just relax. Maybe we'll do this activity that's together. Treat it in a way that God is the lover of your soul and it is time to spend with the one who loves you more than life itself. Now, there's some options in the timing of Sabbath, we would believe, that there are those who practice a, a Saturday Shabbat. And for what it's worth, Hebrew people, it starts sundown on Friday. They, they, they get a few extra hours in even. Like, hey, let's even prepare for Sabbath. And they start at the evening before and they work it through on Saturday. And, and we practice a Lord's Day Sabbath because we would say that there is a new, there's a new work that God has done. We are so enamored by the grace of God that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ with the resurrection that happens on Sunday that we say we're going to hone in on this as the, the Shabbat kind of time frame experience. And maybe some of you, those of you wind, wind up in certain roles, you might go, I like having one o'clock Sunday to one o'clock on Monday, you know, as far as the Shabbat kind of experience works out. Uh, now, the reason that my sister 
and myself went to Tampa. My folks were living their lives in the light of eternity, which meant we needed to sign some official papers for when someday they weren't living on this side of eternity. So, you know, fun, fun, fun for all that stuff. And they told my sister and I, they wanted us to to tell us the things that they wanted, to say, now, take some post-it notes. You put sticky notes on things that you want. It's like, we don't want to do that. You know, we said, we don't want to put sticky notes on stuff we, we want right now. And the next day, I got up, and my sister had put sticky notes on everything, just everything. They were everywhere. Hey, uh, you snooze, you lose, big brother. Uh, so uh, you take that extra little bit of rest, and, you know, it was like, ah, you know, this kind of a joke thing. I, and sometimes we think that we can't rest. We can't let ourselves do, we can't pull back, but I want to say it's, it's a big joke if you think you can't pull back. Six days you shall labor. Melech is the word, and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Shabbat to the Lord your God. And on it you shall, don't Melech, don't, don't do that. Neither your children, nor servants, nor the animals in your field, everybody's gonna pull back on Sabbath. For in six days the Lord Melech made the heavens and the earth to see all that is in them, and then Manucha, he rested on the seventh. The second dynamic that we understand is we rest from creative work, and the Specific words are Manucha Melech. Can we, can we do that together? Let's do that. Here we go. Inside the room and outside the room. Here we go. Manucha Melech. One more time. Manucha Melech. So the concept of rest is there. One dynamic. There's a couple of words that could be used for work. And I've been specifically saying creative work because that's what this means. It doesn't just mean we would say general. There's a more term for general work in Hebrew that's not used here. Basically, it's not just talking about physical exertion. It's talking about the fact that we have been given, we are co-creators with God, we are stewards of this planet, that we are given different areas of work that we're supposed to work and to lean into, saying, stop creating stuff. Stop, just... So it means, if, if, take, if taking a jog, if doing some kind of physical activity is life-giving for you, then, then do that life-giving stuff. But stop creating. Have you ever experienced an overly tired child who wouldn't take their nap and the adrenaline kicks in again? Oh, isn't that a fun little ride? Have you ever experienced an adult who's missed a few Shabbats? Let's go. What are we doing next? What are we going to do next? How about now? It's like, stop. Just stop. Have you ever been on a music team or seen a music practice and they're working on things and there's this intentional pause that's written, in the, a rest that's written into the music for everybody to participate in and somebody's still banging on something, somebody's still tooting something over here and it messes everything up. Stop playing on the rest note. Take a pause. You're messing things up. Accept the gift of one day's rest a week. And when we do that, we admit that it's not our wealth or it's our significance or it's our advancement in life. That, that, it's, that, that that's not the stuff that for us to make life happen, 
that we need us, we're far more dependent on God for our wealth, significance, and advancement. That we devote a day to focus attention on God in a really, really special way. At the end of Avengers, if you watch through the credits, you see the superheroes taking a break after a really, uh, after, after basically saving the world. Uh, and Iron Man had said, hey, when this is over, when this is all over, we want, we're gonna go to a shawarma place. I don't know what it is. I don't know what shawarma is, but, but we're gonna go there. And then if you stuck through the credits, you see them just not a word being spoken, but they're just, ah, uh, beginning, beginning to rest after doing work. And there's a point in the scene in the middle of the battle, the middle of the fray, Iron Man gets knocked down and he says, you know, when this is all over, let's just take a day. Let's just, when, when it's all, let's just, let's just, let's just call, let's just take a day tomorrow. Friends, there's time. You can be a superhero. God has called you to do amazing work. Pull back. Take a day. There is such dignity to the work that you're called to do. Such, such godness in the work that you were called to do and to create. It was part of the creative work before the fall. And, and Mike Rowe, who has this show or has had it, uh, 300 episodes plus of Dirty Jobs, talks about the dignity of work and sometimes work that other people go, eh, that's kind of dirty. I don't know if I want to do that because that's kind of hard. And here's a for what it's worth. If you can think of well, what might be some of the dirtiest jobs that, that there are to do, uh, I, I, you might think of some of those. Here's what Mike Rowe said they were. Uh, a sewer inspector, uh, snake researcher, cow inseminator, uh, concrete chipper, and shark suit tester. I don't know if they were the dirtiest or the most distasteful, but that was his list of top five jobs that seem to be uh, the most arduous. And yet, whatever God calls us to do, we do it with all our might. We do it for the glory of God. And then we pull back and we rest. We rest because we're image bearers and, and co-creators. The world is to be built, but then there's a time to stop creating. And we learn that, that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. He says, and referring to himself, he says, hey, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And he's referencing the fact that it is well and good to heal on the Sabbath. He, he says even to the Pharisees who, who get really sideways about his works of healing, hey, even, even you, if a sheep gets lost in a ditch, you, you go pull your sheep out. And in regards to Sabbath, there are times you might look around and say, who has been entrusted to you? Who do you shepherd? And maybe there's a sense of some healing or getting somebody out of a ditch and even on a Sabbath goes, let's, let's go take them a meal. Let's go, let's, go, let's go make a visit there. Let's go do this together. There's some shepherding kinds of work that Jesus modeled for us that are good to do on the Sabbath. And if Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and, and here's what this means, we don't have to work our way to God. Now, you were created to do really good work, but that's not gonna get you a relationship with God. God's going to do this good work in your life for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith not of yourselves through faith this is the gift of God not by any works so that anyone 
is going to boast. Would you stand? We're going to call ourselves into this challenge and into a prayer to renew covenant. Go ahead and stand on your feet right now. And so some of us, we're reminded, live into this word of life that there's a time that I need to pull back and focus, that I just focus on God in my Sabbath. Some of us might be challenged that our work has great dignity. That it is kingdom of God stuff that any, any role that you're called into, you bring the kingdom into that place and you rest from the creative work that God has called you to do. And then maybe for some, and we, we can all renew this, it's like, well, I am going to make Jesus Lord. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, but Jesus is Lord of all. And I don't have to work my way to God to get it. God will do the works in my life. I need to declare that he is Lord. I'm gonna invite you in the room, outside of the room to pray this prayer of, of life with me, to say yes to Jesus. And just do it, do it loud and, and do it strong. Follow these words. Here we go. God, save me by your grace. Thank you for your indescribable gift. Thank you for your indescribable gift. I do not boast in my works. I do not boast in my works. Thank you, God, for the good work you created me. Thank you, God, for the good work you created me. I rest in you as Lord. I rest in you as Lord. You defeated death and sin. You defeated death and sin. At the cross and the empty grave. At the cross and the empty grave. Here it is. Forgive me, I want to follow you. Forgive me, I want to follow you. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your amazing grace. Amen.